Hello and welcome to On Top of PR. I'm your host, Jason Mudd, and today we're joined by John Herb Kirschman. John is a friend of mine and a senior communications executive who has served at numerous large corporations, including global corporations and Fortune 500, helping executives with their corporate communications and doing uh, public relations for organizations uh, such as General Electric, Marriott, Chubb, Blue Cross, and web.com. We're so excited to have John on the show. This has been something we've been working on for a while. You're really going to enjoy this episode and learn from him as he's looking back on his career and sharing some of his advice. So thanks for tuning in. I'm glad you're here and you're going to be glad you're here too. Welcome to On Top of PR with Jason Mudd, presented by ReviewMaxer. Hello and welcome to On Top of PR. I'm your host, Jason Mudd with Axia Public Relations. We've got another great episode for you today. Today, we are talking to John Herb Kirschman. John is a semi-retired senior communications executive who has served as senior counselor for multiple Fortune 500 executives and companies, including Marriott, Chubb, Blue Cross, and Web.com. John, hello and welcome to the show. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. Uh, glad to be here and uh, Glad to have an opportunity to for you and I to sit down and, and talk about our favorite subject, PR. There we go. I love it. I love it. You know, this interview has been a while in the making, so thank you for uh, making it happen. You and I have known each other for over a decade, believe it or not. Time flies, and I always enjoy it when we get together. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know if it's you or me or the combination, but the conversation's always insightful, and uh, I'm always learning from you, and I, I hope I'm adding a little bit of value to the conversation when we get together. Uh, I, I, you know what you do. I, I'm very appreciative when we have these conversations, and uh, uh, I truly believe you never stop learning. You know, the, there are there are many new things that we can do, especially as technology changes and uh, uh, and the environment changes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, John, is there any other background you want to share with uh, our guest about your uh, um, significant experience that you've had? Well, I've I've been lucky to over the years have the opportunity to work with senior executives with numerous companies, companies that I've worked for uh, as an employee and companies that I've worked for as a consultant, including uh, I spent 10 years with uh, General Electric and, and worked with numerous executives there, including Jack Welsh when he ran uh, General Electric when he was chairman and CEO. So uh, I've been very lucky, very fortunate from even from my very first job, where the CFO took me under his wing and taught me everything I'd learned about investor relations and finance. And I'm one of the few, a few back then, few PR people who actually know how to read a balance sheet. Um, so I take pride in everything I've learned and everything I've shared over the years with uh, my, my uh, coworkers, my employees, and, and uh, uh, the organizations I had the opportunity to help. Yeah, that's great. I'm, I'm looking forward to learning more about uh, your experience working at General Electric and, and with Jack Welch as well. Uh, such a legend. Um, and, you know, it's funny when you mentioned balance sheet, uh, you're reminding me, you know, I didn't know how to read a balance sheet either until uh, the Great Recession hit. And suddenly I really cared about that balance sheet and uh, making it make sense every month so that we could keep our doors open and continue to provide value to the clients we serve. And, and honestly, you know, that was kind of a, a wake up call for me. Uh, you know, just how to be a better, uh, you know, leader and executive and, and steer and navigate the financial ship of our business. So I can certainly appreciate that. And our clients appreciate it when we bring that financial intelligence to the table also. So, um, John, tell us um, a little bit about uh, working with Jack Welch, what that was like. 
You know, you know Jack was a fascinating individual. Um, he was one of those people that when he walked in a room with 500 people, immediately you knew he was there. And, and he hasn't said a word. He just exuded this uh, uh, vibrancy that made people want to sit down and, and talk to him and listen to him and learn from him. He was a very forthright individual. When you worked with Jack, it was uh, you knew exactly what he wanted and how he wanted it. Um, it. And it gave me an opportunity to learn from that because not everybody comes in. You know, the first time I met Jack, I, you know, I knew who he was and I was at the company and everyone revered Jack or most everyone did. And, and But it really was an eye-opening experience uh, to see him interact and to listen to him and to listen to what he had to say and how he did things to always focus on helping the company be better every day, mm -hmm. uh, day over day. And the focus on being number one or number two in every market reflected in how he operated the company. Uh, I remember listening to him one time we were at Crotonville, which was GE's large right. educational facility. And he was talking to the group and we're all communicators there. Uh, and he talked about people and how important he felt a leader had to uh, spend more time on people than, than actually on the business because mm -hmm. it was the people who, who drove the business. He Absolutely. spent, he yeah. estimated 65 to 70% of his time on people, mm -hmm. understanding who they were, what were their strengths, what were the areas that they wanted to grow and what was their next move to help the company uh, continually improve? I completely agree with that. And early on when I first started uh, this agency, it was just me, right? And I realized quickly, 40% of my time is just administrating the business that doesn't have any employees. And then as we started adding employees, I thought my time would be freed up to do more work. And the truth is I had to learn uh, that the most important thing I can do is be a mentor and a guide and developing the talent that I had. And so, you know, I've learned a lot from Jack and his books over the years, uh, for sure. And uh, you're reminding me of one of my favorite books. Uh, I believe it's called uh, the, Gr the Greatest Business Decisions Ever Made. And that learning center is actually featured in the book about how Jack kind of turned that around to where it was kind of, you know, maybe arguably where some of the lower performing employees were sent away just to get rid of them for a while. Right. And Jack turned that around into being a destination that everybody wanted to be part of. And it was more exclusive. And uh, according to um, the author of the book, the idea there is that was one of the smartest business decisions GE made because then professional development was then valued even more. And it was more of an exclusive invitation to get there. Croton Grove is an amazing place. I, I had friends who were instructors there, moved through the businesses. And that's where a lot of the instructors came from in, within the businesses. Uh, and it was a it was a great opportunity to learn um, it, and learn hands on. Uh, mm -hmm. People there were uh, the instructors there and the, the, the attendees really had a great opportunity to share uh, yeah. and to learn. And, um, you know, you mentioned Jack's book. Jack uh, co-authored a, a number of books. And one of the things that he felt was important was to share what he learned in those books. Um, mm -hmm. you know, the story of that is Jack wrote a book called From, From the Gut. Uh, and John Byrne was one of Jack's numerous uh, co-authors. And mm -hmm. John and I uh, had an opportunity to uh, 
actually co co work on one of the chapters, and that was a chapter on globalization, where Jack shared his vision on how to how a company and how GE specifically uh, treated its global organization. Um, you know, and Jack had wanted to finish a book for a while, and and he had been in Europe, and GE was trying to buy um, Honeywell at the time, and uh, the European Union nixed that idea. They didn't want GE buying it, so Jack came mm -hmm. back and said, "Let's finish this book," and called John Byrne, and John called me and said, "Let's let's get that chapter in globalization done." So I spent a week shut in my office just typing away furiously, trying to get that information out. Gave it to uh, John. John did his magic and mm -hmm. uh, Jack took it and it's in the book. It's, a, it's a, the whole book is fascinating. One of my favorite books from Jack. Uh, but it, it was the way that, you know, we work together and Jack encouraged people to work together. Jack encouraged people to also take off on, on their own. And there's a story in there about that. Um, we had a young a man in Indonesia who was uh, very young and he was running the business there. And he came up with an idea. We had annual uh, business planning meetings and he came up with the idea that he wanted to start lending money to lease motorbikes, which was motorbikes are, are a very large part right. of the business in, in Indonesia. And he told in the meeting that he had a plan to, uh, to lend money and they had never done it before. And uh -huh. Jack, Jack was not enamored with that idea, but he gave the young man an opportunity to, he said, I'm not going to stop you. You go ahead and do that. And in a year's time, we'll see where you are. And if you didn't hit your numbers, you're probably not going to be around very long. <laughs> uh, but this guy did. He worked, he got it done. He had a great idea. And a few years later, still at as a young age, he was running all of Southeast Asia for yeah. the GE Capital business. I was going to say, it sounds like that's GE Capital in the making. Right. Yeah. And, and nice. uh, so it, it's fascinating, the opportunities right. you had to work with. I had to work with Jack. Yeah, that's great. Um, what are some, uh, so the book I was mentioning earlier um, is by uh, Vern Harnish, uh, mm -hmm. who is well known for writing Rockefeller Habits. And so we'll put a link to that in the show notes and a link to the book you're talking about in the show notes. Uh, what are, you know, maybe what are your other top two books uh, by Jack that you would recommend to someone who maybe hasn't explored his writings? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to be real honest. It's hard to pick two. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I recommend that if you have, if, if you really want to learn about business, uh, find a topic. And I tell you, just if you, if I hate to say this, but Google it, and uh, one of Jack's books is going to appear because the things that he covers over right. all his various books cover a variety sure. of topics. I'll tell you one of the things that Jack stressed time and time again was, was open book management. Mm -hmm. The idea of sharing the numbers with every employee. Mm -hmm. it, 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 it was amazing in our heyday. If you, you could talk to a senior executive or you could talk to the person who was cleaning the floors in a plant the janitor and everybody knew where that business was headed, where the numbers were. I think it's being transparent. And I think Jack was one of the pioneers of being transparent mm -hmm. to employees, uh, making sure everybody under known because everybody had a part of the business. Everybody had a role to make that business successful. Uh, and it didn't matter who you are. Communications as a 
discipline was it was and continues to be very uh, prominent at, at GE, as they should be at most companies, because communicating information to employees, helping people employees understand their role, understand where the business is going, understand how the company makes money and what is necessary for the company to do within its environment, within its business culture, within mm -hmm. the uh, the culture of the, the, the city, state, country it's in. Right. Uh, being able to become a, a, a very active and productive partner mm -hmm. in all of those communities. Um, and Jack pioneered that he, had, he, he didn't want, you know, GE employees while I was there and it continues are very prominent members in their communities. They share, uh, whether it's working with organizations like Habitat and Humanity, Humanity or whether it's working on boards of small nonprofits or large nonprofits, uh, the company has, had, and Jack, you know, was very, a very large proponent of this to participate and, and build your society and make it better uh, and leave the organization better uh, every day. Yeah, I love that. When I think of Jack, I think of uh, transparency and accountability, uh, which you alluded to both and just how, you know, he was a big believer in, you know, you invest in your best people and you expect them to do well. Uh, John, one thing I've learned from you uh, over the years, and you mentioned it earlier, so it was a good trigger, is your expression uh, when you say, um, or when you say, make sure you understand how the business makes money and where that money comes from. And I remember uh, when we first met, that was one thing you told me about, uh, you know, when you were at uh, uh, Blue Cross, you know, that there were some incumbent employees. And one of the first things you did was ask them uh, how the company made money to see how well in tune to the business side of the equation were. And, you know, I think we see where people, they have a territory or a lane, you know, that they're so focused on. And it might be the company newsletter. And I produce this company newsletter and it's a first class product. But then you have to ask yourself, well, how does this company newsletter help the company make money? And why does this exist? And, you know, in many ways kind of to question everything. And, and that's, you know, and as you know, a great strategist asks why often. But uh, maybe you could share a little bit about that and kind of your philosophy uh, there with our audience. You know, communications, and I'm, I'm going to look back in my, over my career, back in the days, uh, you know, communications meant stuff. Someone would come to you and say, I need a press release. And this was, you know, years ago, and it still happens in organizations. And you go to the person and they produce a press release and they give it to you. And, you know, you're going you're gonna to promote the business through a lot of through a lot of steps a lot of things and communications really you know over the years i learned very early on that it's not stuff those are tactics those are tools right As the communicator we have a toolbox of things but the whole idea is to understand at the end of the day what's the goal what's the objective what do we want to accomplish mm -hmm. and then like anyone like a, a, a doctor who meets with the patient and understands this you know understands the symptoms of the patient and then goes and utilizes his or her toolbox to help that patient get better. Right. We're practitioners in the same way and strategists. So we look at it as a whole. We look mm -hmm. at, we understand the business. We say, okay, how is, what, what is our goal to make the business meet its goals and objectives? And then we look at all the tools that we have and we say, okay, which one of these is going to be the best to help that or which combination of the best. And we look at the new technologies and we look at who our audience is. 
We look at every aspect of this and then we apply our trade to get that done while looking at the big picture mm-hmm. and understanding, you know, if PR is doing, wants to do X, what is marketing doing? What is sales doing? Uh, you know, what is the employee organization doing and how do we meld that? So it's all together and we're not working in opposite directions or we're not working in opposite terms, but we're all working together and how is that going to, you know, smoothly layer on, on top of each other to get the job done. We, we're not doing this in isolation. We're not doing this with the tunnel vision. We're doing this with the goal of what's the overall objective of the organization. John, that's great. And with that, let's take a quick break and we'll come back on the other side with more from John Herb Kirschman talking about executive communications and leadership in public relations. You're listening to On Top of PR with your host, Jason Mudd. Jason is a trusted advisor to some of America's most admired and fastest growing brands. He is the managing partner at Axia Public Relations, a PR agency that guides news, social, and web strategies for national companies. And now, back to the show. Hello, welcome back to On Top of PR. This episode is with John Herb Kirschman. John is a friend of mine in the business and somebody I consider to be a trusted advisor and mentor. And he's just sharing a lot of good information. In the second half, we're going to spend a little bit more time focused on uh, senior or executive communication and being a trusted advisor to leadership and some practical tips and maybe even some stories of how that's been done with John. And so, John, welcome back to the show. Again, we're really glad you're here. And um, uh, so, yeah, give our audience some, you know, advice here as a uh, senior communications executive. You're probably speaking to a, a variety of audience. Some of these folks are your peers who are working at large companies, and some of them are more entry-level folks who are maybe getting started uh, at the agency level or at a mid-market size company or something like that. But, you know, kind of share with us some of the lessons learned in your career, John. Okay. Uh, one is always be prepared, first thing. Know everything, and we, we talked touched about this a little bit earlier, but know everything about your business. Know who, first of all, know who the executives are. Uh, it's, it's embarrassing if someone calls you and say you want to talk to who, and you really don't know who that person is. Uh, but be prepared. Understand your business. Understand what your uh, short-term, long-term business goals are for the company. Uh, understand the financials for your company. Uh, number one. So always be prepared with that information. Also, one of the things that I've spent a lot of time working on is crisis communications. Be prepared. Today's environment, things can turn on a drop of a hat or a tweet or right. you know, almost anything. Uh, over the years, I learned and I took and I prepared uh, a crisis communications book, whether it's online or I always had an online copy and a hard copy. So no matter where I was, I always had it. But prepare yourself for what are the 10, 15 most likely scenarios that are going to occur at your business. So be prepared. Have talking points ready. Even if they're generic, you can always fill in the who, what, where, when, but you got to know. Um, And and make sure that you review that on an annual basis because things change. And technology changes. The environment changes. um, What was not on the radar a year ago is front and center today. So make sure that you're constantly reviewing. You're always prepared because uh, you never want to get caught off guard. Uh, so that's, that's two. Three, know your executives. Get to know them. What do they like? What don't they like? Uh, 
Um, if you have an opportunity to, to meet with your CEO, make sure it's a good meeting. Uh, make sure that you're prepared make, or, or other senior executives. So you're not asking them to questions that seem sophomoric or show that you may not understand the business as, as well as you should. And one way to help you prepare is to find a mentor. Uh, my very first job right out of college. I thought I knew everything because I had, you know, what a great PR background and I understood journalism and I thought, man, right. I'm great. And the CFO came up to me one day and said, Hey John, I need some help preparing an, uh, a presentation for uh, our, in our investors. So I thought, all right, I'm going to do it. So he goes, so let's meet tomorrow afternoon. I went up to his office the next day, sat down. He started talking about everything on the balance sheet and all the areas. And he could tell my eyes were glazing over because I had <laughs> no idea what he was talking about. And he stopped. He said, you have no idea, do you? And I said, I'm yeah. honest. Nope. Yeah. He said, okay, that's going to stop here. What we're going to do is we're going to meet every week. And we're going to go a little bit. We're going to go over a little bit of everything when it comes to financials. So the company understand why, how we make money and every aspect of that. And I was so grateful. And after the course of a few years, I, I could read that balance sheet as well as anybody. But the idea was that he was willing to help. I was lucky that I had someone who approached me, but I also was going to approach somebody afterwards, probably not as high as him. Yeah. After that meeting, I was going to go to someone I knew at a lower level who might be willing to give me some help, help me understand. Yeah. The idea is to be prepared. So you don't run into what I ran to. And it was very embarrassing. Mm -hmm. And I'll admit it, I was unprepared and I thought I was, but I wasn't. So understand your executives. Go ahead, Jason. You're going to ask a question. I was going to say, what a great opportunity. Uh, you know, and I, I think that everybody should be for, is fortunate to have that opportunity to have somebody take you under their wing and, and meet with you on a weekly basis to help you do that. And probably that was great for your career as you began to advance, uh, you know, through the ranks at other companies. So that's fantastic. And I just encourage our audience to find a mentor, no matter how many years of experience they have and no matter what company they work at today. I mean, we all need mentors and uh, people we can call on, uh, you know, when we're dealing with a difficult situation or somebody who can help us understand uh, the, the context and the content of material we're not familiar with. And, you know, it, it doesn't have to be someone who works in PR or, you know, works in marketing step outside of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. You know, if you work for an insurance company, talk to someone in risk, talk to someone in actuary. You know, those are the people who see the business intimately every right. single day. You know, if you're in healthcare, talk to the doctors, talk to the nurses. If you're in biotech, I had a, uh, I, I worked for a small biotech company for a while in, in, in Maryland. And, uh, you know, these guys really are rocket scientists. I mean, not mm -hmm. really, but they're all PhDs. Right. And to t take the information that we had to share to a lay audience, to the mm -hmm. media, is very difficult. But our director of research was an MD, PhD, and he could take the most intimate, intricate, I should say, terms, scientific terms, and turn them into everyday language. Right. And it was a joy to work with him because it, it was so easy to, to, find, to have him, and when we're in front of the media, have them understand some very complex detail. Uh, we were pioneers in developing DNA markers back, this was in the, in the 90s. Um, and so most reporters didn't understand this. So having, you know, finding the right people in the organization who can not only help communicate your message, but help you understand. 
Right. Absolutely. So I'm very clearly hearing a theme of uh, prepare, prepare and prepare. Right. Uh, You know, what other tips might you give for uh, dealing with executives, executive communication and working on behalf of the the company? Be willing, be willing to go out on a limb. Take risks. uh, Absolutely. You've got to take risks, but you, you can't take a risk that's that you're not prepared for. Risks are things that you understand. Risks are things that you can positively help the organization, but people are afraid to take risks at higher levels at times. So mm-hmm. you've got to show them, not only show them, tell, tell them about the risk, but tell them why it, it, it makes sense. Help them understand and be prepared to have them say no. And no, nope, they don't want to take the risk. They want to take the easier way out. They want to take the less risky way out. And, right. and be prepared to still take that turn and, and do, you know, do it, maybe do it the, the less risky way, but knowing in your, that you have your, and you're prepared if the risk turns its head and it comes, becomes a little ugly and something else happens because you weren't as an organization willing to go out as far on a limb as you, as you probably should have. Right. Um, so, so take, be prepared to take risks, challenge your CEOs, Challenge the conventional thinking uh, again, but be prepared on showing them why your your council is telling them to go this way, and and make sure help them understand and show them uh, you know, what you feel you strong why you strongly feel that the outcomes will be better if they take these steps. Um, don't go in and be cowed by someone who's you know, very charismatic and, and, you know, we know executives have a bit of an ego at, you know, cause they don't get there for not ha- without having that ego for the mm-hmm. most part, but be willing to stand up for what you believe that's going to help the organization. It's always got to be tied into why is it going to make it better for the organization, no matter what organization, whether you're, it, it's a school system or it's a hospital or it's a, non-profit or not-for-profit, it doesn't really matter. Be prepared, understand the risks, be willing to, to, to go out there and and push for, for what you think will be the best outcome. John, that is fantastic. And we are right about at our time together and time flies when you're having fun and having an en- encouraging and uh, challenging conversation. And I love how you uh, ended there with, you know, challenge your leadership team, uh, be a tr- to be a trusted advisor to them. And I'm a big believer in always asking the question, why? Why are we doing this? Why does it matter? Why does anybody care? Um, and I think by asking a series of why questions, you get to, you know, what's really impactful and meaningful to uh, the audience you're talking to. So, uh, John, with that, um, if our audience wants to connect with you, are you uh, active on LinkedIn or how might they best reach you? I am. You can reach me on LinkedIn. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter. Um, and those are probably the two best way. I'm, I'm regularly okay. on those. Um, uh-huh. Those are the only ones I really use professionally. Okay. I am on Instagram too, but I really don't do a whole lot of that. Yeah. Same here. Same here. I understand. (laughs) Well, John, this has been a great episode. Thank you so much for your contributions. And I want to thank our audience for their uh, loyalty and creating a community here that stays on top of PR. 
And uh, we want to thank you for watching. And if you found this uh, conversation beneficial, and I'm sure you did, would you take a moment and think of a colleague or a friend in the industry who would benefit from hearing John's words of wisdom? Uh, and, uh, and in some way, if this has inspired you, uh, share others with it. Uh, share that information with others. That might be through leaving a review or a comment. And uh, we just appreciate you and we appreciate the community that we're building here for On Top of PR. Thanks again for tuning in. Thanks. This has been On Top of PR with Jason Mudd, presented by ReviewMaxer. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and check out past shows at ontopofpr.com.